Uh, I guess not. I guess I came at the right time. I might have been a little too immature. Yeah, and I mean, like you, like all the success you've had, I like. I think you kind of found a sweet spot. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. I was, I was way liberal at your age. So. <laughs> all right, you ready? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling into another episode of the Candace Owens Show. I have Roaming Millennial here with me. Uh, you may have heard from her. Uh, she has, hosts a show on Blaze TV. Lauren Chen is her real name. Welcome to the Candace Owens Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Tons of stuff I want to talk to you about. You do really great work and you talk about different topics that are going on. And I think that you do a really good job of kind of jumping into culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is no win politically um, unless you start talking about culture because culture determines the trends and you can kind of see where people are at. Um, And you recently did a video talking about diversity. This is a pretty simple word. <laughs> Everybody likes diversity, right? You're yeah. Asian, I'm black, you know, people like to see people from different cultures and different backgrounds come together. But what what really happens when diversity becomes a demand, meaning that in the art world, when we're seeing happen on movies and TVs, no piece of art can be created. It's not considered valid unless there's enough diversity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a huge problem we're seeing nowadays. And I'm someone who I talk about politics on the show, but I love entertainment media. I love TV shows, movies. There was a while when I was in university, I was a screenwriting double major. That was a thing I don't like to mention too much because, you know, young people don't always make the best choices with college majors, obviously. But I love film and stuff like that. And it's it's really hard for me to see that this whole I don't know, diversity ideology, the need to have as much on-screen representation of every possible group, how it's affecting creators' ability to tell their own stories because there are so many, I think, really great works of either uh, literature or like movies, television, whatever, that people are now criticizing because there's not enough uh, black people, enough LGBT people or whatever it is. And like, I'm not against diversity if like whatever I care about good stories and I feel like now the emphasis isn't really on is this uh, piece of work meaningful is it entertaining um, does it have a message to say to us it's just kind of how many boxes can we check off for our cast our director etc so we can be as like tolerant as possible which right. doesn't necessarily make for good media right and it's actually interesting because I did a video early on on YouTube uh, critiquing Black Panther which I thought was a great movie mm-hmm. and I remember everyone was saying you have to see this because it's an all black cast with all black directors and like if you're black it's almost a responsibility to go see this and I just wanted to make the statement that I went to see it because I'm a Marvel fan. Yeah. Right? I'm just, there was no, it wasn't because of the color of my skin. It wasn't because of being represented. I went to go see it because I'm a Marvel fan and I like the way, I like their movies in general. Mm-hmm. So I go to see most Marvel movies, uh, not based on the color of the skin of the characters, but you're seeing more and more of this where they're saying that, you know what, this is this is ridiculous. There's not enough Chinese people. There's not enough black people. There's not enough gay people. And it's actually ultimately, like you said, harming the piece of work that they're creating. Like we didn't need a female Ghostbusters. Right. Oh gosh, did we not need that? And th- th- what's frustrating is that it's never enough for these people, right? We've seen that anytime movies or studios, they try to be like, okay, look, here's some black people, here's some LGBT people. It's never enough for these people, right? With the most recent Marvel, I think it's like the finishing Avengers, uh, Endgame, yeah. Um, So, you know, 
Captain Marvel, great, strong, feminist superhero, but there are people complaining that there's not enough LGBT representation. Right. Now. So it's like, you're never going to please I didn't need a female people. Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't really I didn't need, need a female movie. Captain Marvel. Like, I mean, genuinely, like, and I think that that's sort of, it's, it's sort of on par with what's happening in society now where they're trying to turn women into men and men into women, mm-hmm. um, which you're seeing more and more of, of that becoming culturally acceptable. So, you know, if you have this idea of a woman being Superman, right? Like mm-hmm. the, Superman being, I guess, the ultimate form of what it means to be a man and masculinity and strong and saving the day, right? That used to be acceptable. But now you're, there's going to be this push where, well, why does Superman need to be a man? Why can't it be Superwoman? Why Why isn't this a blockbuster? And people should just be going to see it, not because it's actually a good movie, but because it's a woman, mm-hmm. right? And it's horrible. It's yeah. actually, I think, horrible. And you're not getting the best actors and actresses. You're literally thinking that you're going to sell tickets because you're virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. And I think people, the fans especially, we see through that, right? We can tell when a director and writers are actually committed to telling a good story versus them just trying to be like, oh, look, here's some black people in a superhero movie. Don't you love it? And it's, it's We're disappointing. We're moving the world forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think what I'm so surprised at when I see people talking about how great all the new diversity is, how they talk about never feeling like they could relate to characters before, which to me is so confusing because I, I think the great thing about things like movies and TV shows is that it allows us to relate to people through human experience that we may not otherwise think we have anything in common with. Um, I don't need someone to be like a 24-year-old biracial woman in order for me to see myself in her and feel represented by her and connect with the story. That's kind of that takes away the point of, I think, a lot of entertainment, which is supposed to show us how we can be different but the same rather than just here is exactly who you are and we're giving you exactly what you want by seeing yourself exactly on the screen. It's... And it, it actually, it almost says that they think that their viewers are stupid in a way. Like, I actually think it actually undermines their viewers, like you're saying, right? I, to me, I don't relate to people that look like me. Right. I relate to people that think like me. A person can look at, at, at any way that they want to look. I, I'm connecting people based on our ideas. Intellectual diver- diversity is, in my opinion, more important than having people that look differently. Do you agree with that? Oh, no, I, I certainly agree with that. And it's funny because the people who talk about diversity in film so much, you you know that they don't mean diversity of ideas, right? Because these are usually the same people who try to blacklist any conservative actor or director or writer. Correct. So, I mean, it's kind of disappointing because it doesn't, if they want to be tolerant, it doesn't take tolerance to love people who only agree with you, right? Even the worst people love people who only agree with them. If you actually want to show tolerance, then it means reaching out to people who don't always agree with you. Actually, it's really funny because this reminds me of award shows now. Um, And this was something that happened culturally that made me so angry. Um, So Nicki Minaj, Mm -hmm. okay, who for people that are listening to me is a rapper, uh, a female rapper, and she had a video that was out which was basically she kind of redid the Baby Got Back song Mm -hmm. and her video just wasn't good. Right. It wasn't good. It was a, so it wasn't original music. And she was basically just being a stripper and gyrating on a chair. Baby got back. And she was up for music video of the year in a category with Miley Cyrus, who at that time did We Can't Stop. And she, and, and Taylor Swift, I can't tell you what her video was. I actually thought artistically We Can't Stop was a really cool music video. And there was no way that Nicki Minaj should have won this category. Well, before the award show, Nicki Minaj came out with this series of tweets basically saying, like, why am I the only black person um, that's in this category up against, you know, Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus? And she had not yet won the award. Well, obviously, because she created 
created this entire scandal, um, uh, they gave her the award. And they mm-hmm. literally just gave her the award. She did not deserve or earn that award. And she was given an award based, basically because she said, I'm the only black person. Um, and I think that we're starting to see that now where people are saying, well, we have to check these boxes. So we need to give this award for best director to a black person, uh, for best music video to a black person. When in reality, if we want to win stuff, we can, right? That actually yeah. undermines being black where we have to complain to win something. There are great black directors. There are great black singers. There are are, are great Beyonce creates absolute art um, when she does a music video. So now that we're getting to this culture where people are complaining to be given awards, which is really just participation trophies based off of the color of your skin, it is not at the same time undermining them, saying that we aren't able to compete, right? So we want to, um, what's the word for, I'm blanking on a word here, when uh, you go to college and they let you in because of the color of your skin. Like affirmative action. It's like affirmative yeah. action in in, in, in movies. Yeah, right now. I think that kind of attitude, it actually hurts a lot of people who are visible minorities. I mean, I get called a token all the time, right, from people who... I thought that was only for black people. Yeah, no, apparently you can... Uh, yeah, I'm Dave, not alone. Dave Rubin's a token too, ah. right? Because with these people, whenever they see someone who's, like, not white, not straight, not cishet, whatever... Um, disagreeing with them, the only way they can rationalize it is, oh, I see what they're doing. You must be just there because your side needs a black person. Oh, that makes sense. Because that's the way their side does things. Um, but I, it's 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 not, though, the, the way things work when you treat people as individuals and try to have, like, meritocratic systems. Um, and I find it extremely, extremely insulting, the just, like, the idea, the opinion, the possibility that I only have my job, I only have my show because I am a woman, because I am biracial. Like, I just having that mindset, it hurts anyone who has actually had to work to get where they are and actually had to break real boundaries, not just be given, uh, I don't know, like, here's, here's a show, here's a contract, whatever, because you're black, whatever, and we're trying to look tolerant. Right. Ridiculous. And that's one of the things that you'll find that even if you did work your way and have to do everything yourself like me, they are not interested in covering Mm -hmm. those aspects of my life. They want to just skip over it because it humanizes me and it makes people say, okay, she actually worked to get to where she was. Nothing was handed to her. I didn't come from a wealthy family. I didn't have a college degree. I started my life $150,000 in student loan debt for falling for this, you know, the scam of you must go to college and take out loans even though you don't really know what you want to do. And that's something that people can actually learn from. So what the media and the culture does is that they glance over all of that because it just doesn't fit their narrative. It doesn't fit their narrative. I couldn't possibly be a conservative based off of my own ideas and my own experiences, which I would not have had success unless I adopted conservative principles, right? Unless I started saving money, right? Unless I started trying to educate myself about finances. Um, And and instead, they think the only way a black person can have success is if they're, you know, as a conservative, is if they're betraying their entire culture. Well, you can't humanize conservatives. That's like not, that's not allowed. Um, I've seen a lot of critiques of people like Dave Rubin giving interviews to people and um you know the 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 leftists they complain oh this was awful you didn't like push back enough this was you were just trying to humanize them and it's like well they are human (laughs) so i mean that makes sense that they would be portrayed as you know being human um and it just they really want to try to vilify anyone outside of their little bubble as much as possible right right? you you can't be seen as like a daughter a mother someone who also enjoys the tv shows that they watch they're just trying to dehumanize and 
like put you in your own little box as much as possible. So that way um, we don't feel bad when, you know, you're deplatformed, when you're kicked out of coffee shops or whatever it may be. Yeah, Dave is a good friend of mine. And actually one thing that he and I always debate, and we've debated this since the very beginning, is that he holds on to the fact that he's a classical liberal. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, listen, I'm a liberal, I'm a JFK liberal. And, and he does that because he wants to take people on a journey with him because there are a tons of, of liberals, legitimate yeah. liberals who don't really know. They're feeling displaced, disoriented, don't really recognize. Politically homeless. Politically homeless. Yeah. yeah, the political refugees don't really recognize their party anymore. And so you have Dave who's just trying to bring in both sides, right? He he wants to invite uh, uh, somebody who's a leftist onto his show. He wants to invite somebody who's a conservative on his show. And what I say to him is that beware. The second you invite a conservative onto your show, you're conservative mm -hmm. because they're intolerant, right? And they will eventually try to deplatform you. They'll eventually come after you. They'll eventually say that you are now marred by having conversations with people because they're completely intolerant. You aren't allowed to have a discussion with conservatives. And now he's seeing that happen yeah. where he, he, he was scheduled to have um, Pete Still can't say his last Buddha name. Judge, I think. Yeah, I think. I like Buddha Judge, yeah, onto his show. And, you know, Media Matters yeah. drummed up an entire storm, despite the fact that Dave is a liberal. He's been so clear about this. But because they're intolerant, they said, Pete, if you go onto that show, you're canceled, yeah. right? You're done. And what did Pete do? He pulled out and, and went for the mob. And this is what I try to, I, I think, should be a lesson for conservatives. There, there, there is this uh, circle of conservatives who tries to not appease the left, but be friendly towards the left and show that they have, you know, a perspective that allows or a platform that allows for both sides to speak. But you should know that at the very moment that they can, they would gladly watch your platform die if you are tolerant towards conservatives. And that's just the truth. Yeah, it's almost like being conservative is this, like this infectious disease right. and you can catch it just by being in proximity toward people right. who are conservative. It's, it's crazy to me. And I was the whole thing with Dave and Pete Buttigieg. It's funny because I, I love Dave's show. I, I watch it all the time. I really appreciate the variety of guests because if you watch his show, you know that, I mean, people like to say it's all just conservatives. It's really not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And I don't think, I mean, I think it's very, the platform that Dave has, it's very clear that it's not a debate or anything. But in his interviews, I think he makes his positions known. Like if he disagrees, he and I disagree you know, on so much, and that's okay. And we're friends, right? And right? that's that's okay. And it was just really strange to me to see all these people attack Dave Rubin as being like alt right adjacent or like a, a what is it, a useful idiot for the far right. And it's. It, it was ridiculous to me because if your complaint is that he doesn't have enough left-wing people on his show, but you're going to kind of blacklist him from ever having any left-wing people on his show because you're going to threaten to cancel, uh, like, Pete Buttigieg if they do come on, it's like, well, what do you... What do you want? What do you want from then? him? And yeah. what they want is the all or nothing pack mentality exactly. that they have. You are either with us and you are actively trying to say horrible things about all conservatives, any and all conservatives, or you are against us. If you are against us, we will happily contribute to trying to kill your career, deplatform you, and paint you as something that you're not. That a single person with a modicum of intelligence would say that Dave Rubin is alt-right in any yeah. regard. And yet you have entire media publications and organizations that are going after him and saying just that. And and that brings up something that you talk a lot about, which is cancel culture. Yes. Do you want to explain that to my listeners? Yeah. So if anyone's not familiar with cancel culture, um, it's just the idea that if somebody, usually a public figure, does something that you don't like, or e even if they maybe didn't do it, but it's like kind of there's a rumor going around that they did something that people don't like, um, they are done for. They are canceled. Uh, you know, you can't support them anymore. D 
like unsubscribe from their show. Like if you have any products of theirs, burn them, they're done, right? And it's kind of like this witch hunt mob mentality and cancel culture is vicious. It's unforgivable. And it's like, like the whole idea of conservatism being like an infectious disease. So is cancel culture. Like if you interact with someone who's canceled, you're canceled. And it's it's frustrating because you know we have guests on our show every week and I've actually had people turned down coming on because they don't like another guest that I've hosted. And it's really confusing to me as someone, it's like, look, I'm trying to give you a platform to promote your ideas. I want my viewers to hear more about what you have to say. I agree with you in this aspect. Like, I, I want your work to get more attention. You're turning that down because of me talking to someone else. It's just, I don't understand. I mean, I would love to be in the position where my platform is so huge. I can just, I don't even need to worry anymore about doing interviews and stuff. But it, if you actually care about changing people's minds, to me, it just, that line of thinking doesn't make sense. I, I think we see cancel culture on both the left and the right. Yeah. That becomes a thing on both the left and the right. But their mentality for wanting to do it, the reasons behind it, I think, are different. So on the left, when they're trying to cancel someone, it's because they view them um, as going against their ideology, which mm-hmm. is pretty much everyone. Like, you're with us. So you could agree with the leftists on 99% of all issues. If you disagree with them on one, they will cancel you. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's just, there's no question at all. They're like, goodbye, you are done. And not even if you disagree with them sometimes it's if you are a straight white male that might be reason enough to be canceled i mean look look at how they're treating joe biden or pete Buttigieg, not gay enough it's like what what is it right because it's not it's not only your opinions that matter now it's also like your immutable characteristics that can i don't know put you on a blacklist right and that's sort of a left eating their own because they've created rules that it's impossible for anybody to live by but on the right when we see cancel culture take place i think one of the things that always disturbs me is that when people are canceled on the right and this might have to do with the fabric of what it means to be a conservative Mm -hmm. in that we are autonomous, we are all individuals, but we you, you see people that are that remain silent, right? They either remain silent or they jump in on the pylon. And I'm thinking the left is always in lockstep, right? In terms of conservatives, we aren't always. And there's a lot of infighting and that mm-hmm. might do with the collective, right? The collective beehive mentality versus the individual mentality that conservatives have. But I think it's something that we have to get better on. It's something that I actively actually haven't been like, you know what, I'm going to be very careful in terms of critiquing a conservative because I think that the fight, what we're fighting against is way too important than to be petty, right? There's a lot of purity testing, I think, that goes on. I mean, who went through it more than me? Yeah, no, (laughs) exactly. I jumped onto YouTube and I felt, I remember, I think you even were one of the people that were like, don't really know about this girl that came onto YouTube and like out of nowhere and I felt like I was living mean girls like I was like does this ever end like I mean like hey you weren't a Republican when you were five years old like how do we know that we can trust you absolutely I'm like there's nothing here I mean I've never voted for a Democrat in my entire life yes I thought I was a liberal um you know growing up as most black Americans have as some of the greatest black American thinkers of our time Dr. Thomas Sowell Mm -hmm. um most people there is an expression if you don't start yourself as a start as a liberal you don't have a hard if you don't end, if you don't die as a conservative, you don't, you don't have, have a brain. brain. Yeah. Uh, most people do start on the left because you, you're going through a system of indoctrination and you don't have to be personal, personally responsible. You don't have bills. You're living with your parents. And so these utopian concepts like socialism, uh, they just make sense when you're young. This is why they want to lower the voting age to 16 because AOC's utopian reality makes sense to a 16-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. If you let the left go at it, they'll lower the voting age to five. There's nothing wrong with starting on the left and being a liberal, right? And I 
I think that as conservatives, you must, we have to let people evolve. You have to let people evolve from who they were yesterday, the day before. That is a part of being a human being, being able to evolve. And when you stop evolving, you die. Yeah, and the thing is, if if we spend all this time trying to debate the left and critique them and, you know, talk about conservative arguments, but when someone who was liberal then becomes conservative, we Purity give them... Purity test. Yeah, we give them flack for Witch it. Witch hunt. Like, well, what... What, what are we doing? Point? Yeah, What's exactly. Like, if, if they... If we're just going to reject them for not having been conservative for long enough, once they do become become conservative, it's like, well, there's literally no point to this. Right. And I think also, like... Putting priorities in order is something that the right has a little bit of a problem with as well. Um, it, like with the example of Donald Trump, like you don't have to love everything that Donald Trump does. It's fine to criticize him sometimes. Like I don't believe in cults of personality, but when I see like all these never Trump Republicans who are saying like they would rather someone like Bernie Sanders or a Joe Biden who is like as much as Trump may not always stick to conservative principles those guys never do yeah. and so it's I like, think those people are the false conservatives right yeah. so those are the people that I think are the false conservatives where and I had this discussion with Andrew Clavin where he was like at the forefront of the never Trump before before Trump got elected, Andrew mm-hmm. Clavin. And he said, I did videos, I got millions of views saying that this man should not be the president of the United States. And he said, you know, I based that opinion on his rhetoric. He, he wasn't sure about his stability. Fair. I think that's totally fair. When, when Trump arrived on the scene, we had just never seen anything like it mm-hmm. in the political scene. And, and it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Is he stable? Is he crazy? Locker up chance. It, he, he really defied political correctness in a way that was so bold that it's, I think it's natural for some people to have been like, wait, a minute. But now he's in office, right? Yeah. Now you're seeing the results. Now you thinking and predicting. You don't have to predict anymore. You know he's a conservative. He's been he's been more conservative than Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. right? So when you have conservatives that are still holding on to the never the arrogance of never Trump to me, I think at its core, it to me it signals that you're not a conservative or that you prioritize yourself and your brand above the future of this country, right? Where you're right. you're willing to say that like I just want to still dislike him because I went so hardcore against him and I. That that I'm willing to say I'll take anybody who just behaves, but I don't need behavior. I don't need results. I don't care about right. tweets. We I need results. results. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think like the whole never Trump thing, it's so frustrating to me because it's, I mean, these are the same people who fawn over people like uh, Mitt Romney and the Jeff Flakes of the world for being principled conservatives. conservatives. Right. It's like if by principled conservative, you mean not a conservative, then yeah, I guess they're super principled. Right. John McCain, right? right? Like these, these, this is what, when Trump got into it and called it a swamp where it's like the left and the right were really the same people. People in the Republican party and the Democratic party were the same people. I mean, the the McCains were married with the Clintons, and and it, it took courage for him to come up and to say that I want to undo all of this and give the power back to the American people. And I just find that the arrogance of people that are still saying that they're never Trump, it's like, then just say you're a leftist. Like, just yeah. just be on the left, and that's fine, right? Yeah. But don't murky the waters here by convincing people that are conservative that, that there's, there's virtue in still standing against him because you don't like the way he tweets. Yeah, and what's frustrating to me is that someone who is young and conservative is like this kind of the idea that Trump has killed the future of the conservative movement and the Republican Party. This is from people who literally turned an entire generation of people away from the Republican Party, I know, right? I know. The Bush era conservatives. Like if you want to talk about what's hurting the conservative movement, it's people like you. Right. And it's just like, you know, you see someone like Trump, he's you know, he's in his seventies, but he's on Twitter. He he posts Game of Thrones memes. He he understands the culture, the, the, the culture right. right? And he has this like very um like 
pro-worker, pro-America message that resonates with so many different people. And it's just like, it's really hard for me to take the advice of people who have lost so many elections seriously in light of how, like, how Trump has been winning this entire time. It's like, Sorry. And, and those people, what you'll find that the the common denominator with those individuals is that they actually don't understand culture. Mm-hmm. So like these people that that were never Trumpers can't read culture. They couldn't read culture if it jumped up and punched them in the face. And there's an arrogance about them where it's like, well, we don't need to understand culture. This is politics. We don't need to talk about culture. But it was Andrew Breitbart that said politics is downstream from exactly. culture. And that is brilliant and that is accurate. He who yields culture will yield politics. And Donald Trump was a cultural a cultural figure. He understood culture. He became the president through culture. The locker up chants, right? That's cultural. It's quick. It's hip. It's a hashtag. It works, right? He's speaking to people culturally, not politically. She should be in prison. Lock her up. Build the wall, right? He's talking about a a policy, but what what he's making it is he's making a policy feel cultural Mm -hmm. and people can relate to that. And that is why people think he's stupid. The people that do think he's stupid for his tweets, I'm like, you're wrong. He's absolutely brilliant and he's able to deliver a message in a way that makes sense for a lot of American people, especially the youth, because mm-hmm. we are, you know, the, the youth is obsessed with culture. Yeah. And it's, it's to me, it's just a very elitist attitude It is elitist. Uh, to say that, that we're above discussing cultural issues. And uh, on our show, we talk about culture and we do talk about like policy things. We've done minimum wage videos. We're coming out with one on UBI. We've looked at like the UN migration combat. Like we do do both, but it's like anytime I do a video on, let's say cancel culture or like diversity uh, in entertainment, I'll always have these like stuck up like this is so stupid like this is child's play let me know when you want to talk about real issues it's like okay friend um (laughs) you know try going up to someone who's grown up with like leftist professors uh leftist school like being taught about the gender unicorn and how capitalism is evil and is getting the same message fed to them through their music their movies whatever try going up to them and just like throwing thomas soul books at them right see how effective that is because it's not it's not gonna work and they don't understand that or they don't want to understand that or they're i don't know they're too elitist to want to talk to younger people on the issues that affect them it i don't know what what the thinking is behind it but it's very very harmful it's called being completely out of touch yeah just completely out of touch with the direction the world is in it's always going to be a different time you know when we're older when we're 80 it's going to be a new time who knows what's going to be on the scene and when i do my speaking tours across the nation i do i I try to connect the dots for them and i always start in a room especially if it's like older you know older people and i say how many people in this room think that trump needs to just stop tweeting right a bunch of hands will go up and i'm like how many people in this room you know don't do facebook or instagram or twitter bunch of hands will go up and I'll say, okay, but I need you to understand why it's really important. And I found that one chord that really strikes with them is telling them that there have been so many presidents that have been able to harness uh, uh, technology uh, to further their careers or to, or to come into power. And you talk to them about FDR. He was the radio president, right? He he did the fireside chats and it was his voice that seized America. And you talk to them about JFK. He was the television president. The reason that he beat Nixon was because he looked better. Mm-hmm. He had a full head of hair. He was handsome looking in the debates and people went for that. And I tell them, Donald Trump is a social media president, right? He has been able to harness social media to further what he wants to do into this country. You don't have to understand it, but you do need to embrace it because what we're up against here when we're talking about socialism in the United States of America is way more serious than your ego or your cultural understanding. No, for sure. And what makes Trump's presence on social media even more important is the fact that, I mean, with those other people you've mentioned, I mean, media criticism, you know, 
back and forth, ebbs and flows, even if you're a Democrat or Republican. But I don't think we've ever seen a political figure who has been as demonized by the mainstream media as Trump has. Correct. And that is why it is so important for him to have this platform connecting straight to millions and millions of people without having to go through the media to relay and kind of interpret what he's saying for people. That's It's so important. And I don't know why people who are supporters of his would want him to sever that connection with so many people. Right. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Imagine if his strategy uh, when he was running was to rely on mainstream media to tell the truth about him. Yeah. He wouldn't be in office. That exactly. was the hole. That was the vacuous space that allowed him to say, doesn't matter what you say about me. You're fake news. I'm going to take the message directly to the American people. And guess what? He knows that. His administration knows that. But you know who else knows it? The left. And this is why we are starting to see social media bannings. This yes. is why they're trying to get a stranglehold on social media because they're realizing that that was a hole that they didn't predict that allowed someone that they didn't want to be into the White House. That is that is that is what took power away from them. So they're saying to themselves, how do we regain this power? How do we get social media back under control? Where do we start? They start on the outskirts. They start banning people that they know most people won't stand up for, right? Mm -hmm. So they say, well, Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist, and they, uh, so we banned him because conspiracy theories are harmful and it created violence. Okay, you're silent. Then they come into someone who they think, you know, is is radical. And this is, and but then they're getting, they're closer inching closer and, closer and closer and closer. We're now in a space where The Economist is calling Ben Shapiro alt-right. Yeah. Right? And this is something we've talked about a while on our channel just because I think if, if even if you're the most mainstream conservative, the idea that you're safe is just com completely naive. Yeah, you're right? a moron if you think you're safe. Exactly, exactly. And it's been really frustrating for me, like trying to raise awareness about people being banned, like uh, Alex Jones, Laura Loomer, Gavin McInnes, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, now even Paul Joseph Watson is gone from Facebook and Instagram. It, if you think that these people are being banned because they actually did break terms of service versus just their opinions. Like, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Exactly. Seriously. I think, I think the problem is that some conservatives are happy they're banned. I think that there is an egoism um, in, in, in conservatism where people say, well, you know, this guy's gone, more followers for me. Um, and people think selfishly and they don't look at the big picture. They mm -hmm. don't They don't realize it. And when, by the time they do realize it, it's going to be too late. Like I try to use my platform to just talk about it, right? Like I said, I, I should have sent a tweet when Alex Jones got banned and said it was wrong. But what you're sometimes fearful of is that you say something in defense of someone and what happens? They now try you're to associated you, with them. Now like, you're oh, in so the you're web. saying you support Alex yeah, Jones. You're, and then they'll take it even further. They're yeah. saying you, you support when he did this, some specific event. I'm like, I don't even watch the show, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is that should this person have been banned? But when you get to Paul Joseph Watson, his YouTube videos are hilarious. Right. They're informative. They're on point. I don't care what you think about Paul Joseph Watson. There is not a single person in the world that would say that he was a white supremacist or that his ideas were harmful. Mm -hmm. But it, it, they're, they're targeting specifically the people who are effective, right? right? People like Paul Joseph Watson. People like Million Alex, subscribers. Yeah, over Alex million Jones. Subscribers. He's huge. Infowars he is. is huge. I mean, people like you, they're not going after the actual fringe crazies who are just yelling into the abyss, right? right? They're perfectly fine because they're no, they, the people who run social media sites, they know they're not a threat. Right. And it's, when I look at the like establishment conservatives who don't say anything or who even cheer these people being removed, um, I, I think they are very, very wrong in their understanding of what helped Trump win, win the 2016 election, right? Because if they think it was them, like, I mean, I, Fox not. News is great, but at the same time, 
that's not getting new voters, new viewers, that's not bringing people in. And I think a lot of conservatives who are part of the establishment, they look at independent media figures and they're threatened. The largest voting block in 2020 is going to be Generation Z, right? Generation Z is obsessed with Paul Joseph Watson, yeah. right? So and when I saw that, I was like, this is literally voter suppression. What they're trying to do is make sure um, that these people are no longer finding these videos. They're not watching Fox News. Fox News, the average audience, what is it, like 60 plus? Yeah. The average viewer is 60 plus, right? These kids are watching YouTubers. These kids are watching you. They're watching me. They're watching Paul Joseph Watson. And that's great. But when you start to ban these people and you're no longer allowing their interpretations or their voices to be heard, that is voter suppression. And that is what I think we are gearing up for in 2020. You know, I I was recently banned um, or suspended and then it got reversed because they put themselves in a, in a weird bind when they do it with me, right? You can no longer hide behind the, we're doing it for, you know, white supremacy. But did you see that document that leaked? Yes. How scary is that? That's really scary. Assigning extra credit. Facebook yeah. is assigning extra credit. Like I'm on a file that says extra credit if you can figure out how to ban her. No, for sure. And even like the Project Veritas, who have so far done great work exposing this, I think they need to keep going. More people need to watch their videos. Um, you know, our our video on social justice being cancer was one of the ones that was, li was listed as an example of bad behavior, sharing my videos um, on Facebook. So like... I've, I've talked about um, Bad you know, be behavior, yeah, being shadow banned and stuff. And I think there's a lot of people on the left or even some people on the right, maybe who think that's being paranoid. It's a conspiracy. No, this is just it's real. fact. Yeah, right. they're, they're trying to suppress conservative voices. And, you know, I, I love my free market, love my libertarian buddies. Um, but if you don't think that this is going to affect elections you you really need to look more closely not at only is it going to affect elections it's a direct response to an election that they right. think was out of their hands that they think never should have happened right that, that should never should have happened they're going to try their hardest to make sure it doesn't happen again and you know i think why the reason why i'm for small government is because i fear totalitarianism i fear um invasion of privacy i fear being told what i can and cannot say i feel i fear being deplatformed and depersoned um that's all bad coming from government but it's not any more acceptable when it comes to these social media giants who are, are run by like leftists in california like how is that any any better so i think you know conservatives who think that social media censorship isn't a problem or they don't like it but oh what are we gonna do um, I think they need to wake up a little bit more and understand that this is a very, very real threat. How can conservatives win elections if we can't even talk about our ideas without being banned? Well, we I've, been, I've been honest and open with the fact that I'm legitimately uh, considering my legal options with Facebook, despite yeah. the fact that my account was restored. At a certain point, there's going to have to be a David that stands up to the Goliath. And looking at this document and seeing that I am, that they're telling these people to actively investigate me or try to find something, there is absolutely zero reason that I would be on this list. There's nothing that I have posted on Facebook that has been controversial. I actually barely use Facebook. It's the last platform that I use. I'm very active on Twitter. I don't actually use Facebook. And mm -hmm. when I do, it's usually clips that are spliced up from these conversations. So for them to put me on a list of someone to explore and yeah. to investigate and to find a reason to get rid of is purely because they are afraid of the awakening that's taking place in the minority community. Because the black vote is something that the left depends on every election cycle. And more and more black Americans are waking up up, putting up videos, talking about Blexit, talking about freedom, and talking about actual political discussions as opposed to the, the color of their skin. Um, and I think that at a certain point, conservatives are going to have to get together and decide how do we work together to, to deal with this threat. Yeah, I think something definitely needs to be done. And anytime I make a video talking about this issue, I, I get so many comments of like this, people are outraged and they want to do something, but they don't know what. And it is one of those issues where it's like, okay, well, you know, if you if you're one of those people who say I'm just gonna 
delete all my social media platforms, I really don't think removing conservative voices from the public discourse is the answer. I agree with you. Right? It's like I I get wanting to give these platforms the middle finger, but at the end of the day, if it ends up with you silencing yourself, I don't think that's the right way to go. (laughs) You've silenced yourself. Yeah. I agree with that. And I do see a lot of people employing that as a strategy. Well, I just deleted my account. So you're actually allowing them to create uh, This is exactly what they want. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be able to mock up a reality where only the left's voices ring. And and that's wrong. And we can't, I'm always going to be on those platforms because I'm trying to change minds not create an echo chamber of conservative thought. I want to be able to go on a platform where there's leftist thought and disrupt it with conservative thought and 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 insert an actual intellectual debate. And and you're exactly right. Removing yourself from those platforms Isn't does absolutely help. nothing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's actually what they're trying to get conservatives to do. Right. Um, and, and if we're living in a time where it's like the majority of millennials get their information from online sites or social media platforms – we we cannot afford to not be on these platforms. We just we just can't. And I mean, they're very clever, right? The people who are in charge of this thing, like it's smart. It, it's totally evil, Machiavellian, nineteen eighty four. But it, I mean, it could be very very effective if if they get away with it. And I mean, in terms of lawsuits, I'm sure that if you know if you do end up going forward, or, I don't know, Prager U's trying to fight back against YouTube. I think there's a lot of people who are conservative and who are feeling silence that want to support that kind of right. thing. Right. I, I just want to make them go through discovery. Yeah. Who are you working with? Who is telling you who to go after? You know, they, they, who are you in lockstep with? What's going on behind the scenes? And and that is the beauty of a lawsuit is that it puts people up for discovery. And I, I think we would be mortified uh, if we found out what sorts of meetings were being had, held at Facebook um, or at Instagram and in terms of how they're determining, determining who to ban first and why. I think we would see that it is it is political and I would be not shocked at all if this was some operative arm of the DNC. That mm-hmm. is just my my honest uh, opinion. Don't know. It's not a fact yet, but that is my, my inclination here is that this is a direct response to Trump. All of this is happening because of Trump, which would mean that it would have to be the left and, and their political you know organizations that are standing behind this. No, I mean, considering how how we know for a fact that, you know, mainstream media is working in conjunction with the DNC, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that social media would be the same. Right. I, I really don't. And I think what they're doing is that they're starting this now and they're going to, things are going to get ramped up leading up to 2020, right? I mean, I think right now the people who may be like liable to be banned next might be actually you from all platforms, someone like Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, they're going to get closer and closer right. to people in the center. Um in, in the hopes that it's kind of like the frog being boiled in water, right? If you do it slowly, no one's going to freak out. We start with Alex Jones, like you said, and then we kind of work our way work up. Our way and, yeah. and eventually people are just going to get, I mean, kind of just desensitized. So like, right. oh, this person's gone. Oh, this person's gone. And we'll we'll just be complacent. Right. And so did you do a video or, or what is your opinion on uh, beyond social media? We're seeing uh, Laura Loomer, who I disagree with. I mean, I, I disagree with her tactics. I don't think that, that it serves or helps conservative cause if someone's chaining themselves to Twitter. What are you thinking about knowing, though, that her consequence, her punishment for that is that now she's banned from Venmo. She's banned from Uber. She's banned from Lyft. She's banned from PayPal. She's banned from Chase Bank. She's been, I'm, and I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, is this a normal, is, is this, does this punishment fit the crime? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm has just, she killed anyone? And by the way, if you do kill someone, you will not be banned from Chase Bank. Right. I mean, I don't think, I, <laughs> as far as I know, there's never been anything where like a convicted murderer has gotten out or a convicted robber has gotten out and social media said, actually, you're a bad person. You can't use this. As far as I know, that treatment is reserved for conservatives. Right. Um, How bizarre is that? It's really weird. And I'm in the same boat as you. I, I don't want 
to have the idea of like showing up outside of people's houses normalized. I really don't like that. Um, but at the same time, if we look at Laura Loomer, I think we've seen very clearly that um, her tactics have had to get, uh, y- you know, more more bold, more out there to draw on that media attention the more she's been banned. Because what's happened is that um, this is someone who is like a journalist, an activist who's trying to get a message out there. And her audience has been taken away from her. So now in order to like to get trending, in order to make headlines, in order to make people notice her, she has to go more and more out of her way to do something that's going to grab people's attention. If she was able to just use, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook like a normal person, I think she would have an outlet that that would allow her to share her views without having to resort to this kind of thing. So I think very much we are seeing this is actually increasing I, I guess I don't I don't want to use the word radicalization because I don't like Laura Loomer is not a radical and that's the point we're trying to make. But I right. think this is it's it's increasing um I, I guess the tactics people are willing to go through in order to make their point, which right. is not not what we want. And, and the question becomes if 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 Paul Joseph Watson can have a Facebook, if people like Paul Joseph Watson can have a Facebook, if Laura Loomer can't bank at Chase, why do rapists why can rapists and murderers? Because they can. Yeah. Right. They get out of prison. If you raped someone and you get out of prison, you can you can, bank. You can go to Facebook. You can go on Facebook. Yeah. You can. So so what is the difference here? What is the difference? Where do where do we draw the line? Well, I think the the difference is that I I really don't think you know if, if a rapist is using Twitter that they're going to kind of convince other people that rape is okay. Right. But I think the way that Facebook and Twitter are looking at it is that if you have a conservative who's on Twitter, they may convince other people that being conservative is okay. Right. Right. So I think they're looking at it like this disease or this infection that needs to be cauterized so it doesn't spread anymore. Right. And, you know, for your actual criminals, like, I don't think they're as worried about that. Right. That's exactly right. And then yeah. that's right. They view conservatism as a cancer and as a disease and that they have to stop by any means and that they need to quarantine. Yeah. And that's what the whole guilty by association Thing. That's why right. that comes into it because right. you can't you can't talk to Dave Rubin if Dave Rubin has also spoken to like Mike Cernovich then you're gonna you're gonna catch it right you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna catch it your your children's going to catch conservatism they yeah. they might believe in uh, in biology right <laughs> they might believe in mathematics yeah, right they might believe be in taking a shower and working working hard and embracing their futures and not seeing themselves as a victim God forbid mm-hmm. right and actually there's the a really interesting study that's. I forget where it came from exactly, but um, they've actually shown that conservatives are better able to represent liberal viewpoints than vice versa, right? Because so conservatives understand liberals more than liberals understand conservatives. Well, liberals don't understand themselves, <laughs> right? Right. So I mean, you're trying to get them to understand an entire group of people when they don't really understand themselves, and yeah. they're and that's why you're seeing so much implosion, and you're seeing the you know intersectionality, and you're and you're and you're seeing things that don't they're make eating sense. Themselves, they're yeah. eating themselves alive. I mean, I was just talking to someone about even the lesbian thing. Uh, Michael Knowles said that you know if trans is real, then gay doesn't exist, right? If if you're saying that there are there's no such thing as genders, there's no such thing as sex, and you can pick and choose whenever you want, then there's no such thing as gay, right? Right? Because that's that's a male. No, that is a, an argument that they're making that if you refuse to date uh, someone who is trans and who hasn't had, a, you know, bottom surgery, that is being transphobic. So it is transphobic for a lesbian woman to say, I don't want to date someone with a penis. Right. Up is down. Yeah. I mean, like, are, are, aren't you guys the ones who are supposed to be all like, you know, born this way? This is my preference, my choice. Don't try to change me because... I mean, we're kind of seeing what almost looks like conversion therapy being advocated for people who aren't attracted to trans people. I know. Or, or like gender non-binary, non-conforming people. Yeah, it's, there's something wrong with people that understand basic biology or, and or, I think or seeing things for as they are. The uh, You know, you had um, Lila from Live Action on your show, and I think 
the abortion issue is one where the ideology really doesn't hold up because at the same time, you know, men can't have an opinion about abortions, but it's transphobic to say that only women get pregnant. And it's like, so how... Right. How how are we supposed to deal with this? Yeah, and, and that's why you will find that leftists don't want to show up to debate their ideas because everything would fall apart. Yeah. And and people say, oh, have more leftists on your show because I had the Black Lives Matter chairman on. I said, they won't come on. Right. Not, I'm not opposed to speaking to leftists. Leftists are opposed to speaking to me because they don't want to be exposed for the fact that they, they make very little sense. They're very emotional, but they lack rational thinking, right? And if you lack rational thinking, you need to stay in an echo chamber of shrieks and yelling and or on Twitter, right? Like Chelsea Handler, her and I were uh, supposed, to, uh, supposed to be a part of her Netflix documentary and, oh, it didn't work through. It was a time thing. No, it wasn't a time thing. You know, she was exploring white privilege, right? Mm-hmm. So great, have on a black person who doesn't believe in white privilege. Well, no, you can't do that. That totally disrupts everything. She would have to step outside of her echo chamber and see that not all black people see themselves as victims. And that is what the left is all about. You're seeing that happen with Elizabeth Warren, saying that she refuses to go on Fox News. You mean you refuse to go to a place where there are opposing viewpoints. You don't think that these people are racist. Fox and Friends has got to be like the lightest, nicest show. Yeah. You know, it's like fa- it's like a family show in the morning. Um, and that it, it truly is what we're seeing is the rise of intellectual cowardice on the left. Yeah, and I think the the argument that I hear all the time from these people who refuse to go on on any show that could potentially ask them hard questions is that they don't want to legitimize the platform. Right. Right? As if it were up to Elizabeth Warren to legitimize Fox News. Like the, <laughs> I love the that. The largest, you know, news corporation with the most viewers. <laughs> like, it's not up to you to legitimize their platform. That's They've really done funny. It themselves, but that's, that's what they'll say because they just don't want to give, I mean, any credence to the fact that, oh, maybe I'll have to explain my views to right. people who don't agree with me. Right. Exactly. Maybe I'll have to explain why I've been pretending to be Native American my entire life, right? Yeah. When I am, in fact, just a white woman, Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. Um, So are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? That's, I mean, if things were a level playing field, right? If Donald Trump got fair media coverage, if if conservatives weren't being banned, if things were actually, I think, as they should be, I would be so optimistic right now, right? Because, you know, the conservative message, it has a lot of power behind it. Um, It's for everybody. It can benefit everybody. Um, Unlike, I think, kind of leftism, where it's like, unless you fit the specific niche, it's it's not for you. Conservatism is for everybody, right? right? It's good for everybody. Um, If if we didn't have all of these challenges up against us, like the biased media reporting, social media censorship, I would be optimistic. As it is now, though, it's, it's really hard trying to go up against all of these, you know, to use the language of the left, institutional barriers, actual institutional barriers um, to getting your message across, right? Because right now, conservatives, um, we're not a my, like a small minority at, at all in the country, but the left has been very smart and very strategic in inserting themselves in positions of power. So now they control academia, they control like uh, elementary school systems, they control like media, they control uh, social media for sure. So it's like, it, it's possible that like we we kind of turned things around, but it's going to take a lot of work. See, I'm so optimistic, and here's why. I think the fact that they're doing this is because we've already won, right? And they're so scared. you you can't you can't put it back into the bag, right? You mm-hmm. you you can't put the bunny back into the hat. And I think that them banning these people doesn't make suddenly all of the millions of Paul Joseph Watson's followers liberal. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it makes them more conservative yeah. because they're angry because they know they've watched his videos. They know that there's no reason to censor him. It makes them think that there's something you know that what what media and the mainstream media is telling them is that they're not allowed to be. They're not allowed to be an individual. It actually makes people dig in their heels. We know for a fact that 
support for Donald Trump is way higher than it was when he first got into office. He got in with all odds against him with even most conservatives, um, you know, with many conservatives not standing behind him because it was an underground movement that wasn't really coming from within the Republican Party, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There were different types of followers that were standing behind him and and were MAGA, and he, he brought more people to voting uh, that maybe hadn't been voting in the past. And I think that since we know that he's trending upwards, he's trending upwards with minorities within the Republican Party, his initial supporters are still his supporters. And since we know that people like Paul Joseph Watson, their, their people are going to be like, well, I guess I can't find his videos anymore, so I'm a liberal. And the, the statement that I always make is I have seen, I say this about black people, I have seen so many black liberals go conservative, but I have never seen a black conservative go liberal. There is something about once you are awake to the truth you're awake to the truth. You're just awake. There's no way to go back to sleep. Well, you know, once you become awake to the political truth, and I think the truth is, is that we've already won. Um, and and yes, there was a fight that is ahead of us for 2020, and they're going to try to ban, and they're going to try to censor. But my hope is that is going to have an equal and opposite effect than the one that is desired. I I really hope so because I mean, with with how successful the economy is right now, I mean, this is a great time to to be an American, right? I mean, unemployment is at historic lows for like Black people, women, uh, Asian people, Hispanic people. There's so much good, and it's just like I I, I can't even imagine what Trump's approval ratings would be if the media were honest about reporting his successes, right? It would be unbelievable. Right. That's exactly right. Are you Canadian? Yeah, I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada, raised in Hong Kong in American schools, came to the U.S. for university. So okay, had... so you're not, you can't legally vote in yeah, America. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to vote illegally. We'll take yeah, it. We'll we I mean, look, we've got tons of people that say they're moving to Canada. So if you want to be American, well, I've done... I, that, if I was president, that's I would do I would do a trade program. Yeah, Every I... person that said they hated America, I'd say, no Switch, problem, yeah. or, no problem. Then I'd find someone like you and yeah, I'd say, Base Canadians can come down the uh, like woke yeah, liberal You hate Hollywood, America so much. This, this should be a part of our immigration policy. Find someone who really wants to live in the country, loves America, loves mm-hmm. the flag and swap them with someone who says they absolutely hate it. Get rid of the Chelsea handlers. Bring in the Lauren Chens. <laughs> but you know what is so funny? Um, when people find out that I was born in Canada, all of the people who seem to be for like letting illegal immigrants come over, amnesty, uh, you know, no voter ID laws, all of a sudden they go back to your country while you're talking about America. Oh, because you're not the right kind right. So, of like immigrants. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. it's interesting to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I see of that a sudden you care about border and like, you know, uh, protection, protecting ele- election integrity. It's the darndest thing. It is. It, it really is. Um, okay. So we wrap every episode. This was awesome, by the way. You're doing a lot of really amazing stuff. Um, we wrap every episode with two minutes. Uh, you get two minutes. You look into that camera camera and you leave a message. You pretend that every single person in the world is going to hear your words and they're going to fall upon their ears and that is going to be something that they uh, invoke into their lives. Are you ready to leave a message, a voice message for the world? I am ready. Let me know if I go over because don't worry, I we no, got a timer. no internal concept of what two minutes is. <laughs> on your mark, get set. The world, I am giving you Lauren Chen. Hi, everyone who's watching. First off, thank you so much for your time. And if you're watching this and you believe in conservatism, you believe in freedom, individual liberty, you believe in government from the ground up, then make sure that you support the creators who are preaching this message, right? Because our movement can't continue to grow, can't continue to prosper if if no one's talking about it, right? So, I mean, audience members are so vital and crucial to what we're trying to do. Um, You know, Facebook, they're not going to recommend your videos or my videos. So it's up to you people who are watching this to share it as much as possible. Talk to this about your friends, like share, share the people who, who are, are, who are talking about your message and representing it well, because I mean, we know for a fact, Google is not going to help us do it. So it's really, it's up to you guys out there to make sure that the message gets out. Otherwise we're going to be in trouble because Zuckerberg is going to win. 
ladies and gentlemen, roaming millennial, Lauren Chen. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. That was such